Hey everybody, it's me, Kathleen Madigan. Welcome to Madigan's Pubcast. You grab yourself a drink, pull up a bar stool, and let's talk about what's been going on. Well, hello, termites. Welcome to episode four. Isn't this exciting? Um, look, I brought the Lewis Black bobblehead up because some of you asked what the bobbleheads were. That one is Mike Shannon. You won't know him unless you're a St. Louis Cardinal fan, so just ignore that one. But this is Lewis's talks. Ready? Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Here's another one. Holy fuck! <laughs> yeah, I don't love that one. Are you fucking shit me? Okay, I like that one. Yep, that's a good one. So that's um, Lou. And look, his T-shirt on his bobblehead says peace. Doesn't sound very peaceful, Lewis. That's all I'm saying. But they did a good job on his uh, his glasses. It looks like him. His hair, too. After after my cutting it. <sighs> Some of you may notice in this episode, I found this just to prove that I'd been there. It's my Dixie Stampede plastic boot. That's what you get your non-alcoholic drinking talk about a fun killer right i mean if i was nine that'd be great but not when you're my age and what is in that what is in that is luke bryan's beer because why he's from georgia and we're going to be talking about lake lanier like i promised so i thought i should give him a shout out it's called two lane not like two lane the city like two lane american golden lager but his um things on the wrong side like the hole should be i don't know <sighs> what else there was oh Two housekeeping things. Little update on Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, now CFT's Jew, because I saw it as it said update, so I thought something had happened. And the update is they have not decided what to do with Jerry. They may get rid of him and they may keep him, but they've extended his suspension for taking pictures with his pants down on a yacht as an evangelical leader with a lady who's not his wife who also had her pants down. The picture doesn't even make any sense, and don't even tell me that wasn't Merlot or Jack and Coke in that in that plastic cup. But you know, I wouldn't even judge that, except you would judge it, Jerry. So I'll judge you back then. You want to play judgy? We can do judgy. Also, the Bush Latte little housekeeping thing. Remember this case I showed you guys last week? I looked it up because I thought, why don't some people know what this is? Well, because it's only available in Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Missouri, and Kansas. And if you go on YouTube, download the Bush Latte morning beer commercial because there's been a few people that um, don't approve. I think it's great. It's three guys in a hunting cabin, and they wake up and have morning beers. And it's like the one's really happy. He's like, yeah, I'm going to sneak a beer. And then the other one's like, hey, man, I'd like a beer too. And then the third one's like, yay, we're all drunks. This is great. It's an uplifting commercial. That's what I would say. <clears throat> now, there's also... As you know, I don't really talk about celebrities. I only have a few favorites, and we've gone over who most of them are. Um, but once again, they have made the news. So I have to read this off the phone because I had to um, screenshot it. So, because Dolly said that she thinks all lives matter, not just our white little ashes. I don't know if y'all remember that. She said that. Some man named Stuart Baker, uh, his profile picture, just a dude, he wrote, so now this freak-titted old southern bimbo is a BML lover? Remember, slut, rednecks made you a millionaire. Okay, that's what Stuart thought of that. Well, then Stuart wrote, 
folks, I've been fired from my cartoon show, lost my endorsements, and my chance of ever getting booked by any music venue in unknown Henson again. I just hope you assholes are happy and take a, to, you took a good and talented man down. You succeeded. Be proud of that. You ruined a person's life all because of that freak show called Dolly Parton and BML. Thanks a lot. I gave my best to you assholes for 30 years. I don't even know what he's talking about, but okay. What cartoon show? I guess you just love to kick somebody when they're down. So twisted and perverted again. Thanks. I'll remember you bastards. Well, he sounds nice, right? But this is the greatest line. This is why people and social media are way funnier than I could ever be. This late, whoever, this is why I like Twitter too. Who's at Kitty Nouveau? I don't know. She's a blonde white lady, kind of like Dolly. But she wrote back, she posted both of those things and she wrote, you come for the queen, you better not miss. <laughs> Absolutely, Kitty Nouveau, that is dead on. You don't shoot at Dolly Parton unless you're willing to go all the way down when they tackle you. Also, Cher, who I don't have a cutout of. I have a cutout of Dolly. If you're just listening, and I have a cutout of Stevie. They're life-size. They're both this height, which makes me happy because I'm the same height. Very short. Cher, another one of my mouthy ones, big fan of Cher, she put on Twitter, she's really mad about the post office, so am I, so we're in agreement on that. She wrote, okay, I called two post offices in Malibu. They were polite. I said, hi, this is Cher, and I would like to know if you ever take volunteers. Lady said she didn't know and gave me number of a supervisor. Okay, how do you hang up on Cher? I'm not just going to go, I don't know. I'm going to go, well, you know what? What would make you want to come down here? I'm going to try to keep the conversation going so you get to talk to Cher. She didn't even care. That's how. That's where the post office people just can be super linear. So she called. Then Cher called the supervisor. I called and said, "Hi, this is Cher. Do you accept volunteers? No. Need fingerprints and background checks." So that's what um, my mouthy celebrity pack, old celebrity people, were doing this week. Mm-hmm. One guy decided to mouth off about Dolly. Look where it got you, Stuart. Should have thought twice, probably. Maybe it's not even true. Maybe he didn't lose his job. Who knows? Who knows what's true on Twitter and Facebook? I know this, though. It's another thing I found that I thought was really funny. And this guy, uh, if you want to see it, it's called, he. It's on Instagram. It's at Matt Surley, M-A-T-T-S-U-R-E-L-E-E. -E apostrophe S, Matt Surley's Instagram followers. He had all of his followers vote on what's the worst attraction in every state. And I've been to almost every state. And some of these I agree with, and some of them I don't. But some of them make me laugh really hard. Um, because especially as comedians, we've made so much fun of some of them. But some of them I think are wrong. Like, he's got the Alamo in Texas. I love the Alamo. I could spend days in there. There's so much information. There's a movie in the back. You're actually in the Alamo. I think it's awesome. But there are some other ones. He said, great. They said, Graceland. Graceland's awesome. I mean, you know, I don't. What's wrong with Bourbon Street? Some of these, no. Um... But some of them, yeah, like Noah's Ark, the Kentucky biblical thing. Yeah, that's probably, it's weird though. It's weird enough. Mall of America, I agree with, but I hate malls. So I'm never going to want to be in the Mall of America because it's the enormous mall. Uh, the gum wall in um, Washington. Yeah, there's better things you can go see in the state of Washington than a wall where people have just shoved gum. 
And Voodoo Donuts in Oregon? Come on, there's got to be some better in Oregon. I mean, it's a donut shop. Everybody knows it, so you go, I got to go to Voodoo Donuts. And I don't even like the donuts because I'm more of a gas station person, as we have all agreed upon. Gas station coffee, gas station donut. I don't like the fancy donuts. The Voodoo Donuts, they're very famous. It's a thing, but they're very complex and rich. It's almost like dessert. Like, I get it if you're going to a party and you're going to take, like, four of them to cut up. But anyway, uh... If you guys want to go see what they say about your state, Pennsylvania, what, of course, did they say about you? Rocky statue. Yeah. I mean, it's fun for a video, but. And for Missouri, my state, (coughs) they said Branson. And I thought, you know, I wanted to tell you guys about Branson because, and I'm not going to always focus on the Midwest and Missouri, but since there's two things, the Lake of the Ozarks was trending, so um, that's why I went on about that. But a lot of people, this is what's weird. Branson is a huge tourist destination, but only certain amounts of people know about it. TripAdvisor, this is 2019, um, listed as the top 25 destination in the United States. We checked in Branson. I shouldn't say we, I don't live there. Um, Yakov Smirnov lives there, though, and we're going to talk about that. And I think some of the Osmonds. I'm not sure. I got I forgot to Google that, but I'll check it out. Um, Branson was checking in as the 19th best place to travel. The top three destinations are listed as New York City, Maui, and Oahu. Okay, look, I'm from Missouri, and there's a lot of good things about my state. But if you said, hey, Kathleen, would you like to go to Maui or Branson? I, that, I would slap you in the face for even asking that question. Why? Well, of course I want to go to Hawaii. That's Here's the great thing about Branson lately. They have a lot of great golf, and there's a really great lake uh, that's fun. It's a more of a fishing lake, Table Rock. Uh, there's good things down there, but what they focus on is the show world. And a lot of you may know, um, remember Yakov Smirnoff? The, it's a, what was his thing? It's great to be an American or America's great or make America great. I don't know. But I, I never had met the man until one night he came to the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach and he was so nice. And I was extremely flattered because he brought his daughter. He has this beautiful daughter, that, and she was older, like 20-something, and she wanted to do comedy. And he said that he thought I was the funniest, one of the funniest women that he liked, so he wanted her to watch me, which was extremely nice. And so then I spent hanging out with him, and, you know, nice enough guy, very friendly. Um, but Yakov has shows in Branson. He has his own theater. Some of his shows are in the daytime. This is a whole different world than like people go Nashville or Branson. Very different. Nashville's bars, honky tonks. Branson is shows on one main drag. Very little alcohol. Kind of picture Sevierville, if you will. Um, kind of Bible-y. The shows are kind of Bible-y, like Christian-y. Like people... Like the St. Louis, Kansas City Catholic people were like, yeah, you probably need to bring your own liquor. I mean, there's liquor stores, but, you know. Uh, Yakov, anyway, made a big deal. I posted the picture on Twitter of him sitting at a city council meeting. It was a very sad photo because he, he's an anti-masker because he thinks if we wear masks, this could turn into Russia. That's his slippery slope. And, you know, I don't know. I've never lived in Russia, and I like Yakov, so I'm just going to go with okay, whatever. And then I looked up his show schedule. His first shows in the day are at 2 o'clock. I would vomit if I had to show up somewhere at 2 o'clock and do stand-up in the dark. And it's it's light outside. 
Like nothing about that. But there's a lot of old people down there. So I'm not going to focus on the um, Big Cedar Lodge. If you're a golfer, Google that. It's just awesome. There's a really, you're in the mountains. You know, it's, it's very, there's good things about it. But the shows, this is what kills me. This is where I go, okay, would I even go to any of these? Um, and there's a few that stand out. This is what's available show-wise. Amazing Acrobats of Shanghai, maybe. So you have Chinese Acrobats. What's hilarious is they have to live in Branson. And I'm sure they're the only Asians running around, aside from one guy who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Um, Raise the Edge of Illusion Magic. And these shows, a lot of them start in the day. Yakov, Make America Laugh Again. That's what he's come up with. Make America Laugh Again. I haven't stopped laughing. Some people have, I suppose. Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> Is that the real one? Probably, right? I don't know. Um, Gene Watson? Nope. Daily and Vincent All-American Music Tour. Larry's Country Diner. Uh, oh, Neil McCoy, I love him. Oh, my God. I may have to go there. I did a charity gig with him. He was so cute. It's so entertaining. Tony Orlando? Anybody? Oh, tie a yellow ribbon right here. Oh, nope, not going to that. Lee Greenwood? Nope, not going to that one. <sighs> okay, I, oh, wait, here we go. Noah, the musical... At Sight and Sounds Theaters? No. Showboat Branson Bell Lunch and Dinner Cruises? Nope. Now you're trapped. Now they want to get you on a boat with no liquor, probably. I don't know. I'd call ahead. Just saying. I would call ahead. Uh, New Jersey Nights of Frankie Valley and Four Seasons Celebration? Mm, nope. Don't really get that either. Presley's Country Jubilee? That's the oldest show in town, by the way. Shepherd of the Hills show, that may actually be the oldest one. I believe it's a, it's got to be religious, right? Shepherds, hills, I don't, I don't know. So that's just give God and country theater tribute shows. These is, this is what's going on. The best bald knobbers jamboree show tickets. Nope. Oh my God. I, t I knew it. The Andy William Oza Ozark Mountain Christmas show hosted by Jimmy Osmond. Osmond, he was the little one, the baby, the chubby one. Do you remember the show? There was the chubby, he was like way younger than a lot of them. Sort of the Michael Jackson of the Osmonds, if you will. Um, st and starring the Lennon sisters. What? They were like from my parents' era. Are they still alive? Can somebody Google that? By the way, I read all your guys' comments, and I really do enjoy reading um, let's see who else. Then I'm, then there's some repeats in here. Yeah. Cause I printed it twice cause my printer was acting crazy. Um, but that's the, um, that's the thing. And they claim, I mean, there's 7 million people to go here a year. It's in the middle of Missouri. It's not easy to get to. You'd have to fly to Springfield or Kansas city or somewhere and rent a car. And, um, people have their own theaters there over the, yeah. The first guy, Roy Clark was the first one to big, Build a big theater. So it's just you four while your own deal. You pay for everything and then, you know, I don't know, probably. You can't even give out tickets hoping for alcohol sales, though, because I don't think there's alcohol. Over the next handful of years, new theaters were built. More big name acts like Annie Williams, Mickey Gilly, Tony Orlando, Jim Stafford, Buck Trent, and Mel Tillis moved to Branson. Also, for you super, super nerds, um, that's where Jim Baker 
tried to make his comeback out of a diner, and he's now selling doomsday prepper things because um, I guess he's concluded that the world's ending. And that's what he's selling. But here's the craziest thing, and I have this. Only the YouTube people will be able to see this. This guy has the biggest show in Branton, and his name is Shoji Tabushi. I, my whole life I've thought, how did a Japanese guy end up in Branson? Like, I I just, well, I found out. He was born in Japan. He was born in Daishawa Isakawa. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. He started playing the uh, violin when he was seven, and then he was a sophomore in college. He heard Roy Acuff was coming to Osaka, Japan, and he went to the concert and met him backstage, and then he inspired. he was inspired to play bluegrass. And then in college, he formed a band, and then he won a national contest in Japan. Then he traveled to the United States with just his violin and only $500. He lived in all these places. Then somebody invited him to Nashville. Then he got going, and then he decided, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be the odd man out going to Branson. Unless he brought more Japanese people with him, I'm going to say he's the only one. I would bet 500 bucks on that. And good for him. He, Yeah. And now he employs 200 people a year in an elaborate 2,000-seat theater, and he performs two shows daily. Theater caught on fire, then it reopened. So there you go. There's a little Branson. I've always wanted to do a documentary about it, um, but nobody ever wants to buy documentaries. Me and my friend Lorene tried to pitch a bunch of ideas and various things, and they all just stared at us. Then one time I said, hey, what about the History of Women in Comedy documentary? I said, I saw that thing, the History of Women in Country Music documentary on um, whatever I saw it on, and I thought it was awesome, and they go, that was our lowest-rated pro program this year. I said, oh, okay, well, guess my pitch sucked. Thanks for the free water. And then I left. Okay, so I promised you guys this, too, moving on. In the spirit of Table Rock Lake in Branson, there is a big amusement park there too called Silver Dollar City, and they do have good rides, so it is family friendly. I agree with that, but they're um, it's kind of like Dollywood. They're pretending like it's the mid 1800s. There's a lot of um, I, I don't know what displays where people are like making leather, cream, churning butter, things we don't do anymore. And I mean, I guess some people are interested. That's not where my nerdship lies. My nerdship lies in other things, not in um, no longer existing trades and skills. Even the Amish have moved on. Okay, so Lake Lanier, because I do, I am kind of fascinated by lakes. And I have found out through all my work that I'm doing for this show, all my Googling of fun stuff that I would be Googling anyway. Um, most dangerous lake in the United States? Anybody? Come on, kids. Lake Michigan. Boom. I know. It looks so flat when you're standing there drinking in Chicago. What could go wrong? I don't even see a wave. I guess it can get a little hairy out there with wind. They're probably talking about the winter, too. It's also enormous. The lakes I'm talking about are big, but not like that. So Lake Lanier is about um, 40 minutes away from Atlanta, but it's on all kinds of counties. It's enormous. And... Um, it's weird because people, it was trending a few weeks ago on Twitter because um, I don't know, a few people had died and they couldn't find two of the bodies. But I don't think in a lake like that, which would be like the Lake of the Ozarks, that's that strange because it's super murky. It's a lake. It's not like we're, you're in a quarry or nothing, right? Um, but then when you start Googling, let's say you put in, is Lake, lake of the Ozarks haunted? Nothing comes up. 
you put in is Lake Lanier Haunted Hall, Katie, bar the door. And there's so many funny ones on, <laughs> there's so many funny ones on Twitter and stuff. Where they're like, you're going to ask me to come to Lake Lanier? Why don't you just shoot me in the face before I get in the car? Like people really have strong feelings about um, this lake. Now I've been there many a time. My friend Robin um, has uh, invited me there. It's great. Um, I have two other friends that have asked me to come there. I, I've seen nothing wrong with it. I don't like, though, that it's controlled and you can't cut the trees down in front of your house because there's really beautiful houses. You can't see any of them. They're hidden behind the trees, and I get the idea. Let's keep it pure, but sorry. I want to see what you spend your cash on. I want to see your house. Cut them down. Um, so here's the deal on this lake. Construction began in 1950. Um, they worked on it till 59 or 60, which is too long, by the way. That something went wrong there. You don't need that much time. But started impounding the water in 1957, and it reached full full pool for the first time in May of 59. Here we go. The lake was named after Sidney Lanier, a local poet who served in the Confederacy in the Civil War. We were getting around and naming it. I saw a letter, and I didn't put it, put it in the book, but it's from the Sons of the Confederate Veterans requesting that it be named after Sidney Lanier because he was a Civil War veteran, fought for the South, but he was a poet and a lecturer. So you can be a soldier and then go home and write a poem about it. No problem. He died at 39 after tuberculosis. Now, here's what's crazy. There's all kinds of stuff under this lake. There's a full racetrack, like a car racing track. There was a drought in 2007 as the waters of Lanier started to drop, and eventually the grandstands of Old Looper Speedway peaked out of the water near Laurel Park, reminding a new generation at one point that Lanier was land. There's a myth about towns being underneath because they use the word community. We think of community, we sometimes think of large towns and cities. No, we're not. We're thinking of back then in the 50s, just some towns, some cities. That's what I'm thinking of. They were connected to mom-and-pop grocery stores that sold dry goods, things of that nature, but there were no large cities. Well, nobody's saying it's Atlantis. I don't know who wrote this article, but nobody's claiming that. They're just saying there's buildings down there. There are buildings that divers, divers have probably seen, foundations of buildings, things that wouldn't float. But if they were deep enough in the water, they could have left them, but anything else had to be removed. So this also means, and I'm going to go, um, before I even tell you about the lady, the haunted lady that haunts the lake, um, there's a racetrack. That's her again. It's 80 to 100 feet deep, Lake of the Ozarks. 130 feet, we beat you. Um, okay, so this is the handful of towns. They left the underwater graves. So there's a shitload of graves under there. Buck Buchanan, a diver in Lake Lanier, talked about his experience in 2017, said you can reach out into the dark and you feel an arm or a leg and it doesn't move. That's creepy. Yeah, that's the end of my diving career, Buck. If I'm underwater somewhere in a lake and I reach out and I shake a hand and that person is no longer alive, we're done. We're done here. Because that's the thing. They say they can't find bodies. There's all kind 670 feet, 75 people have died basically in 70 years. I don't think that's crazy. That's 10 a year. I would say at the Lake of the Ozarks, 10 people die a year. And I think we should talk about alcohol and life jackets. Maybe that's, maybe it's not haunted. Maybe the cemetery people aren't yanking people down, but people keep saying they have a feeling of being pulled down or pushed down when they're in the lake. I've been in the lake, never had that feeling because that would have been the last time I'd been in the lake. But now that I read all this, I've always wear a life jacket, which I never do because I could swim pretty good. But after reading this, um, somebody put 
Georgia built Lake Lanier over a whole town and a few cemeteries. Didn't even move the graves. That's why that shit is haunted. Well, maybe. And I'm going to tell you about the haunted lady. We'll be done with this. Oh, it's also famous because Usher's ex-wife, uh, the son of Usher's ex-wife got killed in that jet ski accident. Remember that? That's the thing. We don't really have any famous people at our lake. Probably, well, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie used to come when Angie had to go back to Missouri because Brad Pitt's family lives in Springfield. I know she hated it, too, because I saw her on Larry King once, and Larry goes, so what do you do for the holidays? And she said, well, Larry, sometimes um, every other year we take the entire family, and that's like, what do they have, 147 children, and, and me and Brad, and we go to a country or a place we've never been before. And then... On the opposite years, we go to Missouri. And she looked down like it was the saddest thing she ever had to admit out loud. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess if it's somewhere exotic, it might be a little more appealing than Missouri in the winter. Anyway, that's uh, so that was the guy. That's why it got a lot of activity, too. Seven million people visit this lake every year, though. I mean, come on now. Ten a year? I don't think that's that many. If there are ghosts down there, they're not doing much. I don't think. And I'm first one to believe this shit. But I just don't see it adding up. Um, mm, I had old buildings, gravesites. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you about the lady, though. Okay. In April 1958, Lake Lanier claimed its most famous victim, Susie Roberts, long since known as Lake Lanier's Lady. Roberts uh, lost control of the car and crashed. She crashed. She went out and had drinks with her girlfriends. And she crashed off the right abutment of Lanier Bridge on Dawsonville Highway. They found her. They, they found the one lady's body in 90 feet of water. Um, but wait, that one's too hard to read. Okay. Well, the other lady's body was recovered shortly after the crash. Roberts' vehicle was undiscovered until the 1990s, when, and her identity was confirmed when workers found the vehicle while trying to lay a new bridge. There's also the legend of a giant catfish. Supposedly a chicken truck overturned on Thompson Bridge decades ago into the lake, and when divers went in to investigate, they met a catfish eating the wet chicken's hole. So watch your toes, kids. Okay, what do we mean by giant? I know that catfish can get to be 100 pounds or more. No problem. Google it. Paddlefish, even bigger. Would it eat a whole chicken? I don't see why not. I don't even think that's weird. I do think, though... Because I googled a lot of this and I read about um, the lady of the lake thing. Uh, there were two fishermen. This is just one account. There's a lot of them. If you Google it, it's kind of fascinating if you get deep into it. There were two fishermen and they're out at like one in the morning. So they're probably frog gigging or something you would tend to do at night. And they had flashlights and they saw a raft and they saw a lady with like a pole pushing, you know, paddling the raft with this pole, but she was lit up. And they freaked out, and then they, they went to get their flashlights that I'm sure they have if they're frog gigging or whatever. They got good ones, too, I bet. And then they um, pointed it over to her, saw her again, and saw her jump off into the water and started swimming towards them. And that's when they shit their pants and turned off their flashlights and I assume drove away. So, were they drunk? I've been drunk. I've never seen an imaginary raft with a lady on it. Not that I can recall. Um, I probably would have remembered that, I would think. Um, so there you have it. Google more if you want. There's documentaries on it. It's really cool. If you go 
searching if you really want to get into it there's really cool um there's other podcasts like i don't want to step on people's whole podcasts or anything like that but there's good ones that go way deeper than um i would go and speaking of um lakes and uh i, I think it's important we talk about the weather <laughs> i know because i'm a nerd i'm a weather nerd exact two hurricanes are about to hit now, by the time this airs, they probably will have already hit because sometimes I'm a week ahead of myself. Um, but I texted it to myself, give me a Seneca, Orlando Sentinel. Um, these should be hitting in a few days, and they might converge. Never happened in the history of the world, so welcome to 2020. I'm really sometimes glad I don't read the Bible because I bet this is all in there. Is this the beginning of the seven years? Isn't there a seven-year deal? Catholics know so little about this. What I do know is there's a thing called the rapture, right? And shit's going to be horrible for seven years, and then there's going to be a last call, as Catholics would view it. You get one more turn to accept Jesus, and at that point, I will seriously consider whatever an evangelical wants me to do if I make it through the seven years, and I, this could be the beginning. As if 2020 needed hurricane season neither needed another reason to remember, meteorologists are now predicting two hurricanes that may hit at the same location at the same time. It's never been recorded before, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That's hard for a Midwestern person. Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. On Friday, then didn't that sound like don't I sound like a real news person then? On Friday. Except I'd have to be happier. The National Hurricane Forecast Force, Tropical Storm Laura and Tropical Depression 14 to both hit the Gulf Coast, but to both hit the Gulf Coast hours apart. Laura as a Hurricane 1 and TD 14 is a tropical storm, but they have to wait and see. And you know how their cones get. You've all seen the cones. It, well, not the cones. The cones are proper. It's when they start prediction, predicting the direction and it just looks like a drunk took your phone and took that pencil on edit and just drew crazy circles. Like, I, I can't even, and then they'll, then they'll put the European model on top of it and go, well, I don't know. And they're usually completely opposite. Which brings me to, there's another, there's a, quite a few things I want to talk about today. No, a lot of people don't know about this. And then I swear to God, for the most part, I will stop talking about weather. I really should have worked at the Weather Channel. I do have a jacket from there, and I love it. It was a secret present. It's too big, but I didn't feel I was too Midwest polite to go, mm, can I have a smaller size? Because I feel like that's rude. I was given a, so I just put on a lot of sweatshirts when I wear it and try to look official. I figure I could probably get in a lot of places with this jacket, right? Like if there was a hurricane thing and they said only official people find my jacket, if I did my hair right, sure. Okay, the most famous hurricane that a lot of people don't know about was in 1900, and it was in Galveston. And I read a book about it called Isaac Storm, which is by Eric Larson. And if you're a weather person or just a disaster person, if you're fascinated, I'm just fascinated with the power of weather, and I think I like it because it reminds me that nothing really matters because anything can happen at any minute. So you don't, it's, it, I find it to be not, I don't know. Here's some information. You guys can decide if you want to go read about it. The Galveston hurricane, they didn't name them back then. 
um, was known regionally as the Great Storm of 1900. It's the deadliest natural disaster in the United States of America. One of the deadliest hurricanes or remnants to affect Canada and the fourth deadliest Atlantic hurricane overall. The hurricane left between 6,000 and 12,000 fatalities in the United States. The the number most cited is in official reports is 8,000. 7,000 buildings were destroyed. Uh, 3,636 homes were destroyed. And 10,000 people were left homeless and blah, blah, blah. But we have to go back to 1900. Now, what kind of communication do we have? Well, here's the thing. The best communication, believe it or not, was out of Havana. They had the best whole meteorological setup, but there was some fighting and tensions between us and Cuba and somebody else. I don't know. It's all it's it's, it's all in here, but it's complicated if you don't really know all that. But anyway, we weren't trusting them, and we were not accepting their predictions. And they told us, hey, man, it's coming, and it's going to hit Texas. And we instead decided to alert Florida and Charleston. Well, <clears throat> wrong-o, guys. Wrong-o. It made landfall in the Dominican Republic. It picked up steam. Um, there's my favorite part of this. Um, okay, <laughs> this is great. On September fourth, this is the year. This is the year 1900. The Galveston office of the Weather Bureau, as it was then called, began receiving warnings from the bureau's office, central office in Washington D.C., that a tropical disturbance had moved northward over Cuba. At the time, they discouraged the use of the word of terms such as tornado or hurricane to avoid panicking residents in the path of any storm. Well, that's, yes, you need me to panic because I need to get the fuck out of here. What, why would you not tell people it's a, what do you, what do you, what, what would you prefer? Shit show? Um, snazzy winds? Why wouldn't you tell the people that, that is just mind-boggling to me. You know, well, don't tell them it's a hurricane. Like, well, they, they're going to notice. They're going to end up dead. <laughs> the weather forecast, we're a weather bureau forecasters, had no way of knowing the storm's trajectory. As the weather bureau director, Willis Morris, implemented a policy to block telegraph reports from Cuban meteorologists at the Bellin Observatory in Havana, considered one of the most advanced meteorological institutions in the world at the time, due to tensions in the aftermath of the Spanish-American War. Okay, really, guys, you can't share weather? Come on. They thought it was going to go to Florida. Anyway, it didn't. Um, And there was one guy, that's why it's called Isaac Storm, the book. His name was Isaac, and he personally traveled by horse along the beach and other areas to warn people of the storm's approach, but nobody nobody believed Isaac. They were like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Because it was real sunny that day. It was nice. However, these accounts by Kleins and, uh, have been in dispute. Although Isaac is credited with issuing the warning without the permission from the Bureau's central office, author Eric Larson points to Isaac Klein's earlier insistence that a seawall was unnecessary and his notion that an intense hurricane could not strike the island, even consider it a simply absurd delusion to believe otherwise. Further, no other stories collaborated these accounts. So, you know, I don't even know. Maybe Isaac's a big liar. Maybe Isaac didn't tell anybody. Maybe he did. I think it sounds to me like if he went out there on a horse and saw shit stirring up, I'd try to tell people. But maybe, maybe Isaac was just a bastard. Okay, so there's your, there's your tip for the book club that we don't have. Um, if you'd like to, go... And uh, get Isaac Storm. 
because believe me, it doesn't get too scientifically hard or I would have quit. It's pretty easy. It's made, it's easy for the dumb people. <laughs> Still drinking out of my boot. Okay, now we're moving on. Oh, did you guys watch Project Nim? Did you love it? How about when he threw the poodle into the wall? Moopsie. Can't blame Nim, he didn't know. What if you never threw anything? You don't know how strong you are. Poodle looks heavier than they are, too. Not that I'm advocating animal violence. Please don't write anything like that. It was a chimp. Shit got out of hand. I feel sorry for the poodle. Probably did not see that coming. <laughs> okay. So I was talking about Project Nim, and then my friend Pam said, okay, I'll watch Project, Tim, but, uh, Project Nim, but have you ever watched the original Grey Gardens documentary? And I said, no, I only saw the movie with Drew Barrymore and Jessica Lange, who I really like both of them, especially Jessica Lange. And uh, it was fascinating. And when you watch that movie, if you guys don't know what it's about quickly, most of you probably do. Um, Jackie Kennedy had a first cousin, lived in East Hampton in, in one of these big fancy old houses. And um, she kind of snapped and went crazy. And the place just went to hell in a handbasket. And its name was Grey Gardens because it did have Grey Gardens, but it got way beyond. They're the first orders. Now that I'm seeing this, I'm like, oh, well, I got these people's number because I've watched Hoarders a million times. I used to watch it a lot, but then it all kind of got to the same story, same sort of thing. It got repetitive, I would say. And then I would get frustrated at the show Hoarders because, like, they would always just send in people with trash bags and then one helper. You know, like one person to talk to the hoarder. I'm like, no, no, we need like, we're going to need a lot more than trash bags to sort out what the fuck's going on here. This is, this is crazy. This is like, they need, somebody needs a serious psychiatric team. You can't, who could live like this? One lady, they told her, okay, look, here's where we're going to start. Cause they're trying to be nice. Ah, pile A means you'll throw it out. Pile B means ab, uh, maybe, pile B was maybe. And then pile C was um, absolutely not. I'm not throwing it out. Now, mind you, this house I see is filled with shit from, I mean, there's barely pathways to get to a bedroom that's gross and there's a hundred cats and raccoons and God knows what. Um, they started with a McDonald's yellow cheeseburger wrapper. That's where we were going to start. And they give it to the lady and they go, what pile? And she takes a long time and she put it in B. Maybe. And I went, you know what? I couldn't do this for a living. I would scrunch up that wrapper and go, we're going to take you to a psych ward right now. If that's a maybe, well, how do we go further? How do we, how do we get ahead? How do we get ahead if that's a maybe? And I know it's, it's, a, it's a terrible um thing i mean i've watched hoarders i just think they kind of sell the process short where they're like well we're just gonna clean this up and you know you'll be fine <laughs> it's gonna end up like that like an hour after you people leave you know that person's got that in their mind when they're like don't take that don't take that they're just thinking i'll just go get it again in a yard sale this show these people aren't smart i can replace that mcdonald's cheeseburger wrapper for 79 cents you fool anyway so I had seen the movie Grey Gardens, and that's what it's about. The mother snaps. They become horrible hoarders. What's crazy is the daughter went along with it. I mean, and, and kind of, she was kind of crazy, too. 
and it's Jackie O's first cousin, so it's very embarrassing to, and then somebody, they go over eventually, and they kind of pace the house up so it doesn't get condemned, but you know those two are just going to, it's heck, there's no way it's not going to happen again. And did you keep all the cats? How about the raccoons? Mm, how about the raccoons? So I had seen the movie, but I never saw the documentary. Um, and just so you, for maybe you guys who don't know, it's about uh, Edith Beale, middle name Bouvier, as in Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy. It's her first cousin. Her father was the brother of Jackie's father. So Edith B Bouvier Beale, nicknamed Little Eddie, so this is the daughter, was an American socialite fashion, because that's a crazy thing too. They're living in this shithole, this hoarder place that is so disgusting. Cats, raccoons, just just animal feces everywhere, but they have fabulous outfits. They were clearly rich. They have more more hats than I've seen in a department store. And the outfits are just fur coats. I mean, they're in heels. It's really strange. She's best known for her participation, along with her mother, whom she lived with in the 1975 documentary film Grey Gardens by Albert and David Maisels. Maisels, right. She was born in, you all know, whatever, she's born. Then she went to go, she tried to get out and go succeed in New York City, the daughter. She didn't make it. And back then, women didn't have a lot of choices. And if you didn't get married, and nobody seemed to want to sign up for Cuckoo Bird, they kind of, and it was weird because she was cute. So you would think if she must have been kind of super duper cuckoo. And they just went, yeah, stay away from the, um, the Beale lady. She had to go back home and live with her mother, wonk, wonk. And then it just goes into, you just never see on Hoarders, the show, you never see two people. It's always the kid ratting out the old aunt or the uncle or the grandparents. Or It's usually not two of them. There's not two humans in there contributing and being totally fine with the whole thing. Like, phew. And then, you know, the husband left, so then she couldn't pay the bills. That's how the whole house fell into disarray. And then they just lived like that. By the way, the daughter, because they do say this at the end of the movie, um, after her mother died, she was still in the house. Beale attempted to start a cabaret career at age 60 with eight shows at Reno Sweeney, a Manhattan night spot. Uh, the club kept the bad reviews from her and called it a public display of ineptitude. Well, you know, I think we, yeah, she's crazy. It's just putting a crazy person because people will come see a crazy person. And I can tell you, there's a million open mic nights. There's a crazy people doing it for free. You just go on down any open mic night. Every fourth one, you'll be like, wow, that one cray cray. She lived there for two years after her mother's death, and then she ended up uh, dying in Ball Harbor, Florida in 1997. But the, the, this documentary, and this is why I watched it, because Pam told me to. The movie, I think, explains the story a lot better. The documentary, if you didn't know, if I didn't already know what I was watching, I would have just been sitting there going, I don't understand what I'm watching. What the, what the fuck is going on here? Who are these people? What, what are they doing? It's a lot of fighting. It's fascinating, though. But here's what's crazy. In 2014, sight and sound film critics voted Grey Gardens, the documentary, not the new one on HBO, the ninth, the joint ninth best documentary film of all time. Well, I don't know what other documentaries were out. The Potemkin, um, the, the Man of Aaron, is that what was that the competition? Because I felt like all they did was bring a camera in there and leave. And then they, you know, four hours later, they'd get it out of the bedroom and say, hey, could you two wackadoodles come on down to the front porch? Of course, we'll be there right there. They have that accent too. They're very airy, Jackie Kennedy, sort of Boston, a bluebird accent. Well, we'd love to be in your movie. Oh, 
But um, they had like three places, the garden, the porch, the bedroom. I just, I don't know what was expected of documentaries back in the day, but um, that was not what I thought really was a great documentary because um, they didn't do anything. And maybe, maybe that had just never been done. Like just put a camera on people and let them be whacked out. And they, and they, the daughter went to the premiere. She thought it was great. That'll show you, wackadoodle. We just showed you sitting in raccoon shit. That's not good. That's not cool. And it was kind of weird. Like I don't think they should have done that to that lady. Like she's crazy. Like don't don't keep monopolize on that. Capitalize on it. Whatever. Here's the next documentary. I asked you guys, did you watch it? Did you guys go watch Gringo? Hmm. Hmm. This one's really hard to explain. And what's even creepier, his name is John McAfee. I have always been a, a Mac person. I'm a, not a Mac phone person. I am an um, Android person because I think they're easier. But for some reason, back in the day, they told us that uh, Macs were easier than PCs. And for comedians, we just went, well, yeah, we need what's easier because we're probably not going to. Well, there's some like engineering comedians but I'm not one of them. Um, I got the one that they all looked like toilet seats. Remember that laptop? I got Blueberry. Loved it. That's when AOL would go (laughs) for like an hour. And then I was so happy when I connected. Took so little back in the day. Anyway, so I didn't even know who McAfee was. Never heard of it. Him... He ended up getting arrested in Tennessee like in 2019 and the cop was basically a version of me because McAfee's going, don't you know who I am? The federal police are looking for me, the IRS, and the guy's like, nope, never heard of you. I'm like, I'm with you, Bubba. I, John who? Nope. If you're not Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know anything about all that. I don't only know him because he won't go away. Anyway, so John McAfee is the inventor of the um, McAfee antivirus crap. And at the time, huge deal, he ends up making $100 million. He's not, well, and before I even start talking, I have to tell you this because it really freaked me out. I know he's on Twitter, and he just caused some sort of news thing a a week ago. So I looked him up, and he's following me. And I don't know why. I've never tweeted about the man. And I'm not being humble saying, well, my comedy is not funny. Fine, it's funny enough, you know, but when you see the documentary... I just don't picture a man running through the jungles with AK-47 sitting down for a Netflix Kathleen Madigan special. I don't see it happening. I don't know why he's following me, and I'm a little afraid of him. So now it's going to change my tone. Um, Not that he would listen to this, but how did he follow me to begin with? He has a million followers. I do not. I'm at like 115,000 termites are following this lady. He has a million people. And he's not scared to be crazy. And I'm scared of crazy people. So I'm going to, I hope you got to watch it. But if you didn't, basically, he makes his $100 million in the computer world. Everything's fine. Then there's a little bit of a snapidozoid thing. Now, I, he might describe it as he's eccentric. So far up to this problem, the point, there were no problems. He decided to take his $100 million and open this enormous yoga center. I think it was in Colorado or somewhere, but everybody thought it was like a cult thing. But they didn't really say anything weird went down there. And they said a lot of people that were there liked it. They thought it was fine. 
great. But then the crash hits and he goes from 100 million down to 10 million. Now for normal people like myself, that would be um, way enough money to not have to move to a jungle in Belize. I could take my 100 million and well, I could go to Branson. I could go to Lake Lanier, all the places we've talked about. So that's when he goes to Belize and there's no rules down there. And he decides he's going to make um, uh, medicine from jungle plants. Now that doesn't sound too crazy yet, right? But first, before he goes to the jungle, he buys a lake house, uh, ocean house. He's on the water. It's very cool. Um, then he goes into the jungle and he hires his own police force. Then he decides there's a curfew in the town. Like he became like the cop. So this goes, I, I can't even, I won't. He also has a lot of girlfriends, but he never actually has sex with them from what they say um, in the show. He does other things that I'm not even going to go into, but I can tell you my friend Ron, this Ron, Ron White goes, he went through all that and never even got laid? He goes, that tells you he's crazy if nothing else. And I said, well, yeah, I don't know about all that. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but you got to, you got to watch it. Anyway, he ends up running out of Belize because uh, he goes to Guatemala because now the federales are after his ass because he they think he has too many armed uh, ammunition pieces of guns and then uh, maybe crazy illegal drugs. But he didn't. He Oh, by the way, there's a girl, a lady from Harvard who decided she'd go be his jungle researcher, which I really like. The lady seems very nice in the movie, but I thought... This is where I don't have a hippie component. And she's way too young to be a hippie, but the, the mindset. She was like, yeah, you know, I think she went to Harvard. So you think, you know, smart, smart young person. Yeah, he was like, he was the most advanced guy in like jungle medicine research. And I was so excited. And I was like, yeah. And she went, well, the dude is at this point, I would not call him stable. <laughs> no. And she was out there alone. She's the only one in a lab coat and some weird thing he's built in the jungle. I mean, my first thought would be, now, where do you want me to go? You want me to meet you in a jungle? First, no. I'm never going to jungle, period. Not even on a tour. No, 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 no. And then I'm coming alone, and she's cute, and I don't know if you're going to, you know, then, he, then bad things happen. A lot of bad things happen. He goes on the run. It goes on and on and on. Here's the most crazy thing. After you watch all this shit that happened, that... And it's mind-blowing. Then he runs for president in 2016. I pay attention to politics. I'm like, how did I miss this? He ran as a libertarian, and he lost. He gave it second place to Gary Johnson. And I only know that name because I used to do a joke about Gary Johnson. Something about, um, of course you're a libertarian because your name's Gary Johnson. It's like, it's like acupuncture. I don't know if you're right, but it, you could be. That's how I feel about the whole idea of being a libertarian. Maybe. I don't know. I'd try it, I guess. But I also thought you can't have a president, Gary. Doesn't sound right. Just doesn't sound... I don't know. Gary's like your friend who comes over and watches World Cup soccer, right? That's more of Luke Spear. Um, I mean, he was on TV in debates. He's on CNN. Where do you see all these clips? The whole world's chasing him. Then he admitted that he hasn't paid taxes since, um, I think, 2011 because he says they're illegal. Okay. McAfee has contended the taxes are illegal and has claimed in 2019 that he's not filed a tax return since 2010. He refers to himself as a prime target 
of the uh, IRS. Yeah, especially if you're bragging about it on CNBC. Now, my friend Ron didn't file taxes for 25 years because truthfully, in 25 years of comedy, you're probably not going to make any money yet. So he goes, I just thought when they said, said quarterly, that meant once every 25 years. No, it doesn't. He goes, but Maddie, I didn't make any money. We don't make any money. This is like when the club would give you your money and you just spend it. And the, you know, here's $500 cash, whoop-dee-ha-ha, blah. There's no extra money. There's no money left. You spent it on travel. You spent it on food. You spent it on beer. You're done. I said, right, Ron, but you have to report that someone gave you money. He goes, well, how are they ever going to, how would they know? I go, because the person who gave it to you is going to snitch. Oh, is that how they get you? Yeah, that's how they get you. Um, so he's still on the <coughs> on the run, but now he's got all these corporate gigs. Oh, he went big in on Bitcoin too, which made me feel a lot less stupid. Because who owns a bunch of Ethereum? This lady. How much is it worth? I'm afraid to look. Probably nothing. I didn't buy too much, but just enough that it was a fun gamble. It's like a fire bet on the craps table. It's probably not going to happen, but boy, if it does. And he said Bitcoin was going to be great. And I listened to him. Maybe he was really smart 50 years ago, but that was a terrible call. Terrible call. He actually said, July 2017, he wrote on Twitter, and he predicted that the price of Bitcoin would jump to $500,000 within three years. If not, I will eat my own dick on national television. Well, get a napkin. I don't really want to see that. But you said you'd do it. I don't know. Then he went to Cuba. He's on a boat. He, then he then in 2020, he claims he resides in Lexington, Tennessee. Well, why would you put that on your Wikipedia page, which you can edit, if ugh, the government's going to come get you? I don't know. Go watch it. I I can't believe that guy ran for president, because really, at the end of the day, okay, I, can't, I don't want to get sued, so I'm just going to tell you the documentary clearly implies he murdered his neighbor in Belize because he had crazy dogs, and that guy didn't like the dogs, and that guy poisoned the dogs. Well, he didn't kill me. He hired somebody to kill him. I mean, a lot going on there. And for my mystery, now, people of West Virginia, bear with me. All 47 of you. Don't start screaming, how'd you not know about this? There's a lot of things I don't know about. And that's why I like doing this. This was on my history channel, um, little mystery calendar. It's, down, it's downstairs, but I printed out a better version of what they have. I printed out a little more information. This one is called the Moth. Mothman. Like moth in your closet. Your cedar closet. Mothman. In West Virginia, and they have a beautiful statue of the Mothman. It's silver, and he's got giant wings, and he has red eyes that glow in the dark. It's a man with giant, enormous bat wings. That's the statue. It's in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. His other names are Winged Man. Not very creative, West Virginia. In West Virginia folklore, the Mothman is a creature reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant area from November 12, 1966 to December 15, 1967. The first report based was published in the Point Register, Point Pleasant Register, dated November 16, 1966, titled, Couple Sees Man-Sized Bird Creature Something. 
a national press soon picked up other ports and helped spread the story across the United States. The Mothman was introduced to a wider audience by Gray Barker in 1970 uh, and was later popularized by John Keel in his 1970 book, The Mothman Prophecies, claiming there were supernatural events relating to the sightings and a connection to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Never heard of that book, and I certainly never heard of, right for this, the 2002 film, The Mothman Prophecy. Now I'm going to have to go watch that, starring Richard Gere. What's not to like about Richard Gere? He's great. It was based on Keel's book. They have an annual festival um, every year for The Mothman. Um, this is where it began. November 12, 1966, five men were, who were digging a grave at a cemetery in Clendenden, West Virginia, claimed to have seen a man-like figure flying low from the trees over their heads. This is often identified as the first known sighting of what became the Mothman. Shortly thereafter, two couples from Point Pleasant told police they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights picked it up. They described it as a large flying man with 10-foot wings. And then a bunch of more sightings and more sightings came. I'm fast-forwarding. And then in 1967, uh, a bridge collapse called the Silver Bridge collapsed, and 46 people died. The incident gave rise to the legend and the connected Mothman sightings to the collapsing of the bridge. Oh, according to the Georgian newspaper, like Russia, Sv I'll try to read this Russian newspaper, Sovobodnaya Gruziaya. Russian UFOologists claim that the Mothman sightings in Moscow foreshadowed in the 1999 Russian apartment bombings. What? Why would a Batman, not Batman, the good Batman, but a man that's a bat with giant wings, why would he give a shit if an apartment's going to explode? I don't even understand this. Is he causing it? Is he just letting you know bad shit's coming, get out of town? <clears throat> then, then he moved to Chicago. People in Chicago have seen the Mothman. So they say. Um, yeah, they they believe it. They have a festival and a statue, if you're interested in going. Um, oh, in 2020, a petition started to replace all Confederate statues in the United States with statues of Mothman. As of 2020, the petition had garnered 2,000 signatures. 2,000 people would, okay, Let's say we're, we were gonna replace the Confederate statues. 2,000 people think it would better be better to have Mothman. There's 2,000 people that went, yeah, give me that clipboard. I'm signing it. <laughs> so anyway, if you're in West Virginia, you can go look for the Mothman. I'm going to go watch this movie now, The Mothman Prophecies. I mean, how was this? How did I miss this? I've been to West Virginia. I've worked in Snowshoe, West Virginia, the Upside Down Ski Resort. I've worked in Morgantown. I did college gigs there. I, I mean, I, I think I know shit. And then, well, maybe because I've never been to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. But you would think they'd have the Mothman all over West Virginia to get you to go, you know, put one in Morgantown. Or maybe there is one, and I didn't even see it. I don't know. I will tell you, though, if you go on... Um, Google um, recent Mothman sightings. In 2015, there was a hunter off, uh, I believe they said Scenic Route 2, and he took some pictures. Once again, what is on, what are we looking at? Who knows if it's real? I don't know if it's real, but if it's fake, he did a really good job of Photoshopping. And if it's real, we have a Mothman. <laughs> 
and this guy got it on camera. But it was also in the daytime, maybe like at dusk. So I guess Mothman doesn't care. It doesn't have to be nighttime. All right, you guys. That was fun, right? Hmm? Send me comments. If they're shitty, just don't. Keep it to yourself. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Because this is what I could be doing till the end of time. Sitting here with Stevie, Dolly, Lewis, Ron. I didn't light my Dolly candles. Well, damn it. Well, we got to save them. What if this goes on and on forever? I don't know if I can find another one on eBay. I got my Dixie Stampede boot. I won't be won't be using this every week. I don't really enjoy drinking out of a plastic boot, but I just wanted to show you guys that I did, in fact, attend the Dixie Stampede. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off like I sign off on story times. Because I think I explained this, but Ron White, when he stays here, it's very weird to see a man who's six foot three, 230 pounds go, nat, nat, termite. And I stole it from him. He told me I could have it. And that's how I like to sign off. Because I think it's friendly, safe, cozy. That's all I think about it. All right. That's it. Night, night, termites.